1: This is the Freddie and Harry Podcast on ESPN Radio. And welcome to the best show on your radio. It is Freddie and Harry. Love Friday. Thank you very much. He is Harry Douglas. I am Freddie Coleman. Together, presented by Progressive Insurance on the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM Channel 80, and I always tell your smart speaker. They'll play ESPN Radio. So, Nick Saban, after 17 years and six national championships in Alabama, he decided to retire from Alabama football on Wednesday. Not even 48 hours later, they have his successor, Kalen DeBoer, leaving Washington to take over for Nick Saban at Alabama. One of the men that broke that story is Chris Lowe, ESPN senior college football writer. It's a great follow on Twitter at C-Lowe ESPN. Can't wait to find out exactly how we got from that point to this point. He joins us here on Freddie and Harry. And Chris, why, why did it take this soon? Why was it this soon for Alabama to say, yep, that's the guy we want, and we're not going to waste any time going after Kalen DeBoer of Washington?
0: Gentlemen, it's great to be with you, first of all. I, um, I think in this this world of college football, with transfer portals and guys now having the openings to leave when there's a coaching change and recruiting classes, you just, A, you can't afford to sit around and wait. You, you've got to work quickly. And, and any good AD always has a list of names, as the saying goes, in his front drawer there in his desk. And I don't think this was a complete surprise to Alabama AD Greg Byrne. I think he had a working list. Uh, to, to, to be ready to go, which he was. And at the very top of that list were, were three or four names, and, and, and Taylor DeBoer was, was one of those names. Certainly Mike Norvell was in it, Steve Sarkeesian. I think it, it, the whole way were, were three guys that Bama had focused on. They knew getting Sarkeesian was going to be tough from Texas. Texas is going into the SEC next year. Uh, but everybody, as, as they sort of went down that list and vetted people, Uh, love what Kalen DeBoer has been his entire career, and that's a proven winner. He's won everywhere he's been. Uh, He's had electric offenses, great offensive mind. Look at what Michael Penix did and the way he developed uh, under his system. He has not coached in the SEC. He's not recruited in the SEC. I know that's something that people are going to bring up, but I think he is a modern-day coach and that he can relate to players, get guys to buy in, play in his system the way he wants to play, and I think now, more than ever, those are really, really important qualities.
2: So, Chris, when Nick Saban decided that he was going to retire, we also do know the 30-day window for players at Alabama was open for them to be able to transfer. In your opinion, why was it so important for Alabama to find their guy before the week was over?
0: Well, they wanted to find the right guy, first of all. Mm -hmm. Um, They feel like you know DeBoer is that guy. But you just You know, it's hard. You you certainly don't want these processes to drag out where you're getting turned down publicly or, give, as you point out, give guys a chance or or more of a chance to to look around and transfer. You want to, hey, this is our guy. Okay, this is the guy we're bringing in. Meet him, talk to him, uh, get to know sort of who he is, and and eliminate some of those opportunities, you know, for guys to leave. See, the good thing about – for Kalen DeBoer now that he's the guy – is that Nick Saban leaves it in a very, very good position. It's not yeah. like that ship was starting to take on water right. or it was starting to dip, but it's it's a very healthy program. There's good young talent. They've recruited well. Now, we, we've seen some guys say they're already going to get in the portal. Or get in the portal. That, that happens just about anywhere when there's a coaching change. Uh, but it's not like you're going into a place where you sort of got to build that place back from the ashes. The Alabama was an overtime loss away this year from playing for the national title. Now, some of those guys have gone, but when you looked at the way they recruited and developed players there over the last few years, this is a job where I think Canada DeBoer has an excellent chance to come in and have Bama right back in the playoff next year, especially with it going to a 12-team format.
1: Great stuff by Chris Lowe, ESPN senior college football writer. talking about Kellen DeBoer leaving Washington to replace Nick Saban, at Alabama's head coach, joining Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Hit him on Twitter at c Low ESPN. I believe Nick Saban had some sort of say with this hiring, Chris. What have you heard?
0: Well, he didn't spearhead it, but you, you know as good as you know, we all know. Listen, if you're Nick Saban and you're his AD or – part of that search party, of course you're going to use him as a resource. it would be crazy not to. Now, I don't think he's the guy, and he's not wired, and I've known him a long time, that he's going to jump in and want to be the guy that quote-unquote names his successor. But sure, they talked to him, and I think he, you know, when I talked to Nick the other day, he said he wanted to be a resource for the university, for the football program. As they make this transition, it was important to him. You know, He's been there 17 years, and what he's built, he wants to see that continue. So yeah, I know that uh, that he really liked DeBoer, felt like he was an excellent football coach. You know, he tried to hire De- DeBoer's offensive coordinator last year. It's his OC, Ryan Grubb. So uh, there, there clearly was a familiarity there. You know, he knew what kind of offense they ran had seen what they had done. So uh, absolutely, I think he was a resource for Alabama's power brokers and Greg Burns. They made this hire.
2: If there's one thing our listeners should know about Kalen DeBoer, what do you think that one thing is?
0: that he's not afraid. I mean, let's be honest, he's taken on what's probably going to be the toughest job we've seen in college football over the last two years, or 20, two decades, I was going to say, when you're having to go in and follow a guy like Nick Saban, very confident, very sure of himself. Uh, I love the fact that he was, you know, five years ago, he was a Division II, guys. I mean, he's come up through the ranks. He's worked his way up through, and he's won everywhere. Uh, from Fresno and out of Washington. And here's his shot at one of the greatest jobs following, one of the greatest coaches in college football history. And he's willing to take that on and has enough self-assuredness, enough confidence, uh, just being secure in his skin uh, that he's the guy that can get it done there.
1: What is it going to be like to go to an Alabama football game, you look on the sidelines, (laughs) and Nick Saban's not there?
0: Boy, that's... I don't know. I don't think I've even really come to grips with that. Having covered his program pretty closely for the last seventeen years, I think a lot of people are asking that question. It's a great question. You know what? You know what's Alabama going to look like? Period. Without Nick Saban, he was such a. There was to me there was no more face of an athletic program anywhere than Nick Saban's Alabama. Uh, So, listen, it's it's a tough job. I think Kalen is, is cut out for it. Uh, but you better have thick skin. You mm-hmm. better win. You better win quickly. And, and there's, <laughs> I'm sort of joking here, guys. You know, this. there's mm-hmm. different degrees of winning, right? Yep. You better not just win. You better win at a championship level and, and do it in such a way that you don't give anybody uh, any room to say, well, you know, maybe this is, is not the right hire. But I, I don't think anybody Alabama's Alabama thinking that way, and certainly. Cameron DeVore's
1: not thinking that way. Hey, Chris, great, great stuff, my friend. Really appreciate the time. It's been a very, very busy last 48 hours. Always be well, always take care. Thanks for joining us on Freddie and Harry as well.
0: Hey, it's always a pleasure, guys. Have a good night.
1: You too, my friend. Chris Lowe, great stuff. ESPN Senior College Football. Write him on Twitter at c ESPN, breaking the news of Kalen DeBoer leaving Washington to take over Nick Saban as the new head coach of Alabama football.
2: Yeah, Fred, I think the simple fact that Kalen DeBoer is not afraid, number one, not afraid of change, but also he's not afraid to follow Nick Saban in who we deem as the greatest college football coach of all time. That says Mm -hmm. a lot about himself. Hey, I am comfortable in my own skin. I believe in my principles. I believe in my coaching. I believe in the staff that I'm going to prepare to be able to put these young men in the best positions possible. That says a lot, right? Actions Mm -hmm. speak louder than words. He didn't get up there, rah, 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 rah. He he showed that he's made for this through his coaching, and he's won – everywhere like Chris Lowe just mentioned and now is the next task at the University of Alabama mm-hmm. in which he had a big task when he went to the University of Washington. Now two different programs right but at the same time. It was a tall task when he became the head coach two years ago. No and he was able to go twenty five and three. Now it's the next task at the mm-hmm. University of Alabama to try to keep that that program into prominence, right? And, yeah. and the upper echelon of college football when you talk about programs.
1: He may be new to this, but he's going to bring some truth to this when it comes oh, to yeah. killing DeBoer, taking over Alabama football, leaving Washington at leading them to a championship game appearance against Michigan this past Monday. Harry Douglas, Freddie Coleman together. Thanks for joining us on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable, so get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All that protection in one place. So bundle and save at progressive.com.
2: Oh, wait a minute. I'm hearing breaking news in my ear. I am being told that the New England Patriots are hiring Gerard Mayo as the successor Mm. to Bill Belichick per Adam Shepard. For this to be the leader of one of the flagship franchises of the NFL moving forward, I think it's a good day in Foxborough and it's a good day for the NFL.
1: So the Patriot way has now given way to Mayo time when it comes to New England Patriots. Jamar, Gerard Mayo taking over for Bill Belichick as Patriots head coach he will be formally introduced next week. He is going to be the youngest coach in the NFL. That takes over a title that Sean McVay had held since being named the Rams head coach back in 2017. He is a month younger than Sean McVay. But this has been in the works for a while. If you listen to the words of Mike Reese, ESPN page reporter when he was on sportsman like this morning with Evan Cohen, Chris Canty, and Michelle Smallman.
0: This is something that the Patriots had as a succession plan going back to last year. They identified Gerard Mayo as the person they wanted to ultimately succeed Bill Belichick. Whenever that time came, obviously that time came this offseason, this week. Uh, Why? His leadership. They know him well from him having played for the Patriots. From 2008 to 2015, they believe he's a special developer of young individuals. And between that, his knowledge of the game, they feel he's the right coach for this moment.
1: And now there are seven, meaning head coaching vacancies in the National Football League. Los Angeles Chargers, Washington Commanders, Atlanta Falcons, Seattle Seahawks, Carolina Panthers, Las Vegas Raiders, and the Tennessee Titans. In your opinion, Harry Douglas... What's the most appealing vacancy out of those seven that's out there right now?
2: Well, it's easy for me outside of the cap issues that they may have in 2024. It's Los Angeles Chargers because you look at the upside and what Justin Herbert has been able to do his first few years in the National Football League. The quarterback is in stone. The quarterback is in place. And we always know, and and it's not a secret, if you want an opportunity to win a Super Bowl championship, You better have your quarterback in place. Mm -hmm. The the Los Angeles Chargers, they have their quarterback in Justin Herbert. He's in place. When you look at the commanders, they have the number two overall pick, but the quarterback's not in place. You look at Atlanta Falcons, they have the eighth overall pick, but the quarterback is not in place. You look at the Seattle Seahawks, what are they going to do with their quarterback situation, right? What direction are they going to go in? Mm -hmm. The Carolina Panthers, they have Bryce Young. His rookie season wasn't, you know, A great one, but they still have so many holes to fill amongst their entire football team. It's going to be rough. When you look at the Las Vegas Raiders, who is going to be their quarterback moving forward? And from a head coaching perspective, are they going to stay with Antonio Pierce? And then you look at the Tennessee Titans. I like what Will Levis brings to the table, but their offensive line issues, their skill position players when it comes to the wide receivers, and also is Derrick Henry going to be be back? It looks like he's not. Nope. So they have a ton of holes they need to fill as well.
1: For me, it's the Atlanta Falcons, the fighting Harry Douglasses down in by the Peachtree District. I- yeah, exactly.
2: Uh 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 uh, you better do it right. It's <laughs> uh, uh, brother, Deb. that
1: damn broke damn falcon bird that you had. Put it this way, that broken bird played a lot better in your quarterbacks this year in twenty twenty three when oh. it comes to Atlanta Falcons. Have I said too much? No, Have no. I li- gone too far? You know what? No,
2: no lies detected. And that was that Shannon. That <laughs> yeah, wasn't me. That wasn't me.
3: That was Shannon. <laughs> he over there laughing
2: too. Why? I know. Why you thinking
3: was me? Because cause, cause you, you always yeah. told me
1: yeah. there. By association, <laughs> he didn't realize that Shannon was. Bull- bull- all that malfeasance back there, hoping that somebody else will get blamed for that. For that poor teenager. <laughs> there you go. That, there you go. That, I like that, brother Jeff. I uh, like that. Shannon sounded like somebody. The vultures were circling with, 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 with that. <laughs> Sh- out Shannon,
2: there. do it one more time. Let, let me hear it again, <laughs> Shannon. <laughs> See, he,
1: he, he sounds like he's about to be the, the vultures there. He is any minute now. We will be ready to eat because that bird's about to die. That's what Shannon Penn sounded like. But your Falcons, to me, are quarterback away. In a winnable division, because they had any kind of quarterback play, they would have won that division. That, that 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 to me, this year was an eleven win team, the Atlanta Falcons. Yep, I thought there were four games that their quarterbacks lost for them this year between Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke. So, if you got a swing a trade for Justin Fields, the Chicago Bears, or whoever you're going to draft, that's the most. That's the most desirable opening right now to me in the NFL because you got skilled position players that are really young, underneath the age of twenty seven on both sides of the football, and plus you got a leader Jesse Bates, a guy who almost made mm-hmm. first team All Pro at safety that can bring that kind of continuity and leadership that's already there in place for the Atlanta Falcons. You got some young dudes that are ready to grow together, and you need a quarterback, and you need Art Smith wasn't a bad head coach, but you need a you need a winner head coach. That's why I think that's the most desirable coaching vacancy because all that young talent that has not even gotten to the top of their ceiling when it comes to the Atlanta Falcons.
2: So they're they're in a peculiar situation because they have the eighth pick, and I'm saying to myself, if they want the quarterback that they want, are they going to move up and try to go get him? Mm-hmm. The previous years, different regimes, though, different general manager, front office guys. You know, I remember us moving up to go get Julio, and that paid off tremendously Absolutely. for our football team. Um, when we were there in Atlanta playing together, mm-hmm. is this an opportunity? Is this a year where Atlanta says, "You know what? We're at number eight, but yeah. we know we need a quarterback to get where we need to be." Mm-hmm. Or are we going to? Are they going to sit there at eight and wait for a guy, or are they going to move back mm-hmm. and so so they don't draft a guy too high and, and and say, "Hey, this is our guy of the future." But if they would have had just Russell Wilson last year, mm-hmm. who who had a solid year, in my opinion, yeah. the Atlanta Falcons would have won the division with ease because there are plenty of time where I was asking myself what is Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke looking at because with my <laughs> eyes with my eyes and what I'm seeing, it's telling me that it's nowhere in hell you should throw the football there. Yeah. And it was multiple times where it was in the red zone, Freddie. At worst, you have one of the best kickers in the league in Young Way You're going to get three points. Mm-hmm. But when those three points don't exist or a touchdown doesn't exist because of the missed throws and the turnovers from the quarterback position by both guys. Yeah. It leads to a guy like Arthur Smith getting fired because the mm-hmm. quarterback position played
1: their part. Yeah, if Russell Wilson is not washed, then he, that would be a good fit. I'll give you a better fit. There's a backup quarterback in San Francisco called Sam Darnold that Ooh. seems to no longer be a washed quarterback anymore. When he had a chance to play in that final regular season game, he looked like the Sam Darnold I thought I was going to see. Look comfortable, he, he? he looked happy. Compt- yeah, he, he looked there you go. He, he looked snuggly. You know, he, <laughs> he, he did. And he had not looked like that at any time in his NFL career. The way he looked like that on Sunday in the final regular season game. He, it, like he, it was as if he felt free being out there. And he said, I'm going to show you. I still got something. I'm young enough. Anybody out there looking at that thinking, hmm, he looked like that with San Francisco. If we put him with the kind of weapons that we believe in Atlanta, that are only going to get better. He looks less washed compared to Russell Wilson. I don't know if I want to put Russell Wilson in that because that could be a kind of a proven thing. And we yep. don't know how much he has left. But Sam Donald, to me, still has enough left that you put him in the right kind of situation. And the offense has a lot of similarities to San Francisco down in Atlanta. That's why I think that's the most appealing head coaching vacancy right now in the NFL.
2: Well, I think for for a guy like Sam Darnold being able to sit behind Brock Purdy but being able to learn from a guy like Kyle Shanahan right, and getting that constant coaching on how to do things from the quarterback position because we all know the history of Kyle Shanahan. His his dad is Mike Shanahan but he's been in Houston he's been in Cleveland, he's been in Atlanta uh, before he took over the head coaching duties with the San Francisco 49ers so he's been around a ton of football since coming into the National Football League grew up around John Elway and company, yeah. right? Yep. So he understands and and he knows what it what it looks what, what it looks like and what it's supposed to look like and Sam Darnold being able to learn uh and try to revive his career under Kyle Shanahan, I I I think it was good.
1: Now, what's the least desirable vacancy vo- that's out there?
2: For me, and I hate to say this because okay. this is my squad. All right. I I'm I'm in, I'm in flux between okay. the Carolina Panthers and the Tennessee Titans. Okay. I I I, I don't know which one
1: I would choose over the other right now. I really don't. Right now, Flux would be a better football team than both of those two. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, at least Carolina, they have a quarterback. Well, so does Tennessee with Will Levis. I just wonder.
2: But they have some of the same issues, like offensive line, skill position players.
1: I I think the biggest detriment in Carolina is the guy that owns the football team. When it comes to David Tepper, at least Tennessee is starting over. But they're a stable franchise, Amy Adams Strunk, let it be known. The reason we moved on from Mike Vrabel is that I thought we've gone as far as we can and not be a team that can get through a Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl. But there's still pieces in place. They have a general manager in place. I believe in Rand Carthen that he's going to make the right decisions as far as that goes. But I look at the Carolina Panthers, I'm thinking, man – Bryce Jones must be going to bed and not going, what in the hell have I gotten myself into? Yeah, the owner pouring
2: drinks on people. He lucky he didn't get no, it wasn't man. the wrong person. And he got some hickeys upside yeah. that head.
1: He could not have tried that in Miami or Chicago or New York or San Francisco. He'd have gone on an ambulance ride. Hickeys. Right
2: upside that head, that milk it,
1: Yeah, It would have been a noogie. It would have been a Nicky.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a noogie, <laughs> Nicky. That's a Nicky. That's what he would have gotten
1: as far as that goes because you can't bleep around and find out in certain places. He's lucky that happened there. If he tried that nonsense in Miami or New York or, or Buffalo – with a their fi- fans? a Ch- uh, Philly. Oh, oh no. That, that Think point, about Philly. At that point, it have been like, now we lay him down to sleep. Because they
2: w- they want to fight just because, regardless.
1: Better yet, you <laughs> pour a drink on somebody. Exactly. They wake <laughs> up. The sun is not as high as I want it to be. They're ready to fight in Philadelphia. Yep. Our team's not playing well. We're ready to fight in Philadelphia. David Tepper, you got to be better than that. And I just talk about being an owner of an NFL team, about being a human being, which is not a good look that you have right. over the weekend. He is Harry Douglas. Hit him on Twitter at H Douglas 83. I am Freddie Coleman. Hit me on Twitter at Coleman ESPN. Thanks for joining us on Freddie and Harry presented by progressive insurance. It is super wild card weekend in the NFL, two games on Saturday, three games on Sunday and the one on Monday night involving Tampa Bay taking on the Philadelphia Eagles, eight fifteen Eastern time on ABC ESPN and ESPN two. But we're going to start with the first game of the weekend and the quarterback we have the most confidence in, the old dude or the new dude. This is ESPN Radio. The
4: Freddie and Harry Podcast. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it
1: has to be. Love Friday. I on on Freddie and Harry with Harry Douglas. Literally getting his groove on. I'm Freddie Coleman, presented by Progressive Insurance. Thanks for joining us on Sirius X and Channel 80. And always tell you a smart speaker on Love Friday to play ESPN Radio. You going to be okay with there, Drake?
2: Oh, <laughs> guess what, Freddie?
1: Roll it, roll it,
2: roll it, roll it, roll it. How many more shots into your rolling? We just need a face to face. You can pick the time and the place. you spent spend some time away. <laughs>
1: I think he's going to sue you for copyright infringement and trademark his, trademarking his voice like you just did. Well done by you, as a matter of fact. Keep weighing in on Twitter at Coleman ESPN and also H Douglas 83, the coldest game you've ever played in or attended. We're getting a lot of great ones like Rich Adrian, who says, excuse me, me, Joseph Wheeler, who says, not a game, but I work for U.S. Foods in Montana. It was negative 22 air temperature without the wind chill last February. Heaven to deliver out of the back of a semi truck all day.
2: Mm, mm, mm. Man, you listen, if you still do that, I'm going to say the most prayers for you, because you are mm-hmm. going to need them. That is cold.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Sebastian, who he tried to have on, but his call dropped from Alaska, he says, minus 35 degrees, ambient temperature, not wind chill, little brother hockey game, outdoor rink. Yikes.
2: Uh, and the church did not say amen.
1: No, they did not.
2: Mm-mm. Oh, no. Sebastian, Mm-mm. I give you a ton of credit, man. That that's You talk about leap, leap of faith.
1: Uh-huh. And family. Yeah, Mm-mm. One last one from Jacob Long. He says he heard you, Harry, talking about when you took your jacket off because you felt hot while doing college game day in Montana last year. He said you were likely experiencing a phenomenon called paradoxical undressing that happens in hypothermia. He I broke probably it was. Down.
2: I know I probably was he broke it down. Because I I made myself move around so much because mm-hmm. I was so cold early on uh-huh. that when we got into the show, within the first 10 minutes, I had to take that coat off.
1: You are a brave man. I had to there's, take it off. But well, then it. again, I wouldn't have been out there, so there's no doubt about that. <laughs> Keep weighing in on Twitter, the coldest game you ever played in or attended at – H. Douglas, eighty-three. That's Harry's handle. My handle, Coleman ESPN. Don't forget the phone number as well. Triple eight, say ESPN. Eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. I guarantee you, weather will not be a condition when it comes to Browns at Texans. Temperature outside sixty degrees. Temperature inside in Houston a nice seventy-three degrees because they have a closed stadium that they can close that roof. Browns are a two and a half point favorite in this game, even though they're the 5C. They had a better record than Houston Texans, but the Texans won the AFC South, so they get the home field advantage in this one. You got the old guard and Joe Flacco, that Flacco pixie dust. He's no longer mowing lawns or watching TV from his scouts. He's got a team in the playoffs that many people believe is a legitimate threat in the AFC to get to the Super Bowl. Then you got that magic man known as C.J. Stroud for the Houston Texans. People think they're going to win five games this year. They wind up doubling that and winning their division. Thank you very much. If I ask Harry Douglas, which quarterback is he more confident in? Is it the old dude and Joe Flacco or the new Squire and C.J. Stroud?
2: This is a very, very, very tough one because I love me some C.J. Stroud. Covered him a lot in college football at Ohio State. And and I, and I think he's going to be the rookie of the year 2023. But I'm going to go with Joe Flacco. And here's the reason why. Joe Flacco has been around the block. He's been there and done it. He's in an offense in which Kevin Stefanski is running his head coach. Mm-hmm. And he played under Gary Kubiak as an offensive coordinator when he was in Baltimore. So it's not like he came um, um, upon this football team and the offense was foreign to him. He's comfortable because he's been in this offensive system beforehand. Also, when you look at a guy like David and Joku and what Amari Cooper has meant uh, to Joe Flacco in that passing game and how he's enlightened things, right. that run game is also going to be valuable to Joe Flacco as well. But I think just the simple fact that okay. Joe Flacco has been on the road and won playoff games. He's won a Super Bowl. He's been there and done it. So that's why I'm going to go with him.
1: Well, Joe Flacco understands that preparation for the game in Houston. He's done this before but there's not this daunting task of
4: like getting ready to prepare for 20 games. You're preparing for one game and that's it. You're, you're promised one game here. So I think it's, uh, I think it's,
1: I think that's something good to fall back on. And like, I think you can get comfort in that one game. If Joe Flacco ever decided to be a teacher, I would take his class every day of the week. (laughs) Nothing bothers him, makes you feel comfortable Nobody feels ill at ease. It's like you ask him a question, you get a very thoughtful, very profound answer. And he has an underrated sense of humor. He's just a likable person to be around. I love the fact that he's been able to get – this chance after what he did with the Baltimore Ravens and by the way he does have one of those a Super Bowl ring on his finger because the time he was elite in the NFL he played like that in the playoffs they won a Super Bowl he got that big contract with the Baltimore Ravens and after all that had went down with the New York Jets where he won them a couple of games including one in Cleveland where he threw the chocolate out of that football that day and helping the Jets win that game that's what he's done I love the fact that you could not have picked a better person to step into that situation. And nobody had any kind of expectations. And he's been able to play like that when it comes to Joe Flacco but I'm going to be the contrarian here. Uh-oh. I'm going with C.J. Stroud. He is like a younger version of Joe Flacco. Check it out. He's just football. I just be yourself is what they always tell me. So I've played in playoff games before, big games, and the less that you put pressure on yourself, I you feel like the more you just execute and do your job, then that's when good things happen. C.J. Stroud ain't scared.
2: I, I love every bit of it, man. You talk about someone who's just... Cool, calm, and collected. And, yeah, he's played in a ton of big games at Ohio State. And I will say this. He played in a big game last week at Indy on the road. And played well. And he had to go win that one in Mm -hmm. order for them to be able to get into the playoffs. So this this isn't new to C.J. Stroud. Also, I love his ability when the game is on the line, when his team has the football. I have extreme faith in him that he's going to be able to get it done. Mm -hmm. Not because I hope it's going to get done, because what C.J. Stroud has showed me this season, Mm -hmm. when he's been in those situations.
1: It must be wonderful to go through life and look at the world through patient eyes, like C.J. Stroud. Everything is going 150 miles an hour. He just slows things down in his mind to about 55, 60. There's no lack of clarity. And that could have happened when you lose a Tank Dell who was running white hot at wide receiver. He didn't have Dalton Schultz for a good amount of the time this year to tie in they got from the Dallas Cowboys to help out that passing and help out that quarterback. CJ Stroud. who I got today? I got you guys. All right, let's go out and play. And he went out there. and He was still dialing it up. Like you mentioned, on the road, that Colts defense is pretty good. And they're only going to get better. Shane Steichen has shown in his first year. That boy can coach. The head coach, Indianapolis coach. But that dude on the other side, D'Amico Ryans, he knew what he was getting in C.J. Stroud, but he didn't realize this. He didn't see a guy like that thinking, man, this was his team from day one. Not anybody else's. And he played extremely well when you think about it, relatively speaking, from day one. Even when he struggled, it was never a setback. It was always a get back for him when it came to C.J. Stroud. I think that's why. And I still keep wondering, because I've seen this before with the Cleveland Browns. Everything's going good. People talking (laughs) wonderful about them. Everybody's thinking this is going to be the holy grail that they're going to find a way to get to that promised land known as a Super Bowl, a place they have never been in the history of that organization. I just wonder, Harry, when that pixie dust known as Joe Flacco is going to run out because if it runs out against Houston. They might get run out of the building, no matter how terrific that defense is for the Houston Texans.
2: Well, I think for C.J. Stroud and the Texans in their offense, it's imperative that they have first down production in this ball game because if they don't, now you're allowing – yourself to be in third and eight, third and nine, third and longs, so you don't want to be in that situation versus a Jim Swartz defense with a Miles Garrett and a Z- 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 Darius Smith on the opposite sides of one another. Mm-hmm. And We've seen what this defense did to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe Burrow early on in the year. We've seen what this defense has done to Lamar Jackson and company, beating them once this year. Uh, they, they, they split those matchups this season. So I think for Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. You're right. First down production is imperative. You want to be in third and two to five. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be in third and nine plus. That's when they're able to, they're going to call them hounds, <laughs> yeah. release the hounds, <laughs> and, and the dog pound who's in the building, uh-huh. they, they coming.
1: Yeah, exactly. The, the, the quote of Texas native, that Browns defense is strong as Megan V. Stallion. The Houston Texans better hope that C.J. Stroud has the same kind of strength to deal with those oh, bros. Oh, the oh, they strong, strong, oh, they, huh? strong. <laughs> they, they, they strong, strong.
2: Oh, they strong, because Megan V. Stallion
1: and the Cleveland Browns they, they it's strong, strong. Let's put it that way. <laughs> when it comes to that, Browns a two and a half point favorite in that game that kicks off Super Wildcard Week in any NFL that game at four thirty Eastern time. Catch that game on NBC. It's time for us to use the number system when it comes to NFL props over and under when it comes to Super Wildcard Weekend in the National Football League. Also, keep weighing in. The coldest game you ever played in or attended. We want to hear from you in the Dr. Pepper calling line at 888-ESPN-888-729-3776. Like Ghost in the Shadows on Twitter who said, Coldest game, high school football playoffs. Field was a quarter mile from Lake Erie during a late November squall. Night game, minus 27 wind chill at kickoff. Not in high school no sir yeah pass Not. my pass my brother no 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 I mysteriously caught the flu <laughs> yeah oh it wouldn't have been a mystery. I would have caught that. It would have caught me. I wouldn't have. I would have been. It would not have been chasing. It would have caught me. Yeah, that's well, gonna so. be a no for me, dog. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, not happening. Y'all can go on with that, man. So we'll take your calls <laughs> in about twenty minutes to coldest game you ever played in or attended at 888-729-3776. But before that, we'll hit that number. NFL props over under for your Super Wildcard Weekend in the NFL. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. This is Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. He is Harry Douglas and Freddie Coleman together on the Love Edition of Freddie and Harry Love Friday, presented by Progressive Insurance on SiriusXM Channel Eight. And I always tell you a smart speaker will play ESPN Radio. Like we mentioned, it's a Super Wildcard NFL Weekend, and it starts with two games on Saturday: Houston versus Cleveland, Kansas City in the Frigid Bowl versus Miami. Sunday: Pittsburgh and Buffalo. That'll be a Frigid Bowl in Buffalo. Then Dallas hosting Green Bay, Detroit hosting the Rams, and then on Monday on ABC and ESPN at eight fifteen Eastern Time: Tampa Bay hosting Philadelphia. It's time to make sure that we put numbers out there to put more numbers, more money in your pocket. By the time Tuesday rolls around, we call it hit that number. NFL props over and over and under. We bring the pride of St. Bonaventure University. Devin Kane, he throws it out there, and we give you the number right now on Freddie and Harry.
3: All right, gentlemen, Harry, we'll start with you. Tyreek Hill over under eighty-two and a half receiving yards. They are taking on the Chiefs. The Dolphins are over under. I am going
2: under, number one, because Steve Spagnola and his defensive principles and what he was able to do with Tyreek Hill in the first matchup. Now, you also have to factor in that it's going to be in the negative degrees, negative 20s. So that may play a major factor in the way the trajectory of the football is getting to Tyreek Hill. I think the Miami Dolphins, they're going to have to lean a lot more on their run game in this matchup because of the weather, the, uh, weather conditions. So I'm going under.
1: What he said. Let's move on.
3: All right, Freddie. Josh <laughs> Allen, over under 38 and a half rushing yards. The Bills are taking on the Steelers. It's going to be snowy and windy. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm going to say it's over. I think he gets at least 50 rushing yards, to be honest with you, because with all that going around with the snow – They're already asking, meaning the stadium, for anybody to help them shovel snow on Saturday night to make $20 an hour to do that. So that gives you all the indication you need what it's going to look like. A snow globe on Sunday and winds up to 45 to 50 miles an hour. The way he throws the football, they may not want to catch it. He's got the total just a little bit more. I'll take the over with Josh Allen over 38 and a half rushing yards against the Steelers.
2: I feel the same way that you feel, Freddie. This is a game I think Josh Allen is going to have to be an extension of the run game, and it's going to have to be one of his most valuable ones of his career. Because of the conditions, like I just mentioned, in Kansas City, with the Miami Dolphins, I'm going to do the same thing with the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen, that run game, James Cook, he's going to have to be valuable as well. So Josh Allen over when it comes to rushing yards.
3: All right, HD, Dak Prescott, his over-under 279 and a half passing yards for the Cowboys. Quarterback there taking on the Packers. Over-under.
2: Who has it better than Dak Prescott? Nobody. I'm going over because I think this is a game that Dak Prescott is going to thrive like he has all season long. On top of, I don't know which Green Bay Packers defense I'm getting. I I really don't. So if we're getting the Green Bay Packers defense that we've seen for most of this season, Dak Prescott is going to eat them alive.
1: I'm going to say a little under because I think the Cowboys will be more effective or as effective running the football. The Green Bay Packers are in the bottom third in rushing defense. And Tony Pollard has gotten a little bit better and a lot stronger as this season has gone along because of how fearsome that passing game has been for the Dallas Cowboys. So I think he gets to 265-270, which should be more than enough because I think the running game is going to be more of a compliment than we've seen from Dallas. All season long, because the Packers are that bad, and trying to run and being a run defense team and, and win the Green Bay Packers.
3: All right, Freddie Rams lines. This is over under point total is the highest mm-hmm. of the weekend. Fifty one and a half total points. You are going over under?
1: As a friend of ours likes to say, Ian Fitzsimmons, Harry Douglas. Bet till your hands bleed on the over on this one. This might be 21-20 at halftime involving yep. both of these teams. That Lions team, we know they can get up and down the field. Their running game. That Rams football team, they can get up and down the field. Their are running game. The defense can be upset all they want, Say we're going to play better. You can play better all you want. These offenses, it's going to look like a flag football game involving these two. Bet the over and bet until your hands bleed on that one.
2: I agree with Freddie. I think it's going to go over when you look at Matthew Stafford, who's been there and done it recently in the National Football League on a quest to a Super Bowl when he was traded from the Detroit Lions to the Los Angeles Rams. But Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, Higby. You also have Kyron Williams out of the backfield. I think it's going to be fireworks in this matchup. And then you look at the Detroit Lions. If, If Jared Goff in that run game is on point, in this matchup, then the play action game yep. is going to be on point in this matchup as well. So I think it's going to be fireworks everywhere, 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 everywhere. So I'm going over.
1: <laughs> boom, boom, boom! Indeed, hit that number NFL props over and under for your Super Wildcard Weekend that starts tomorrow here on Freddie and Harry and ESPN Radio with Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman once again with these numbers that we try to hit. Here's Devin Kane.
3: All right, HD, CJ Stroud over under one and a half passing touchdowns. They are taking on the Browns over under.
2: This one is very, very chicory because they're going against the number one defense in the National Football League. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go under because I believe C.J. Stroud is going to rush for a touchdown. He might throw for one, and then the running back might have one. So I'm going to go under in this one just because that defense is so good of the Cleveland Browns.
1: I'm going to say over. I think he gets to because he's shown the ability that he can fit. That football in the tight windows, when you think those windows are going to close and that ball is able to slip through there, he is really good at those anticipation throws without making mistakes. So I think he gets two. I don't think he gets any more than that. If he gets more than that, then that means the Browns' defense is not having a good day. I didn't hear you, Freddie.
2: What, what kind of windows does he fit fit those footballs into? Slim windows. Slim.
1: Okay. Nice try. Pulse.
3: Moving on, huh? Last one here, gentlemen. Baker Mayfield, over under, one and a half passing touchdowns, one minute.
1: Oh, he's going to get three. I don't know if they're going to win the game, but he's getting three. That Eagles secondary has been, in the words of Shaquille O'Neal, horror awful, especially the last six weeks of the regular season. So, yeah, those slim windows will be over for Baker Mayfield. He's going to throw at least three.
2: I'm going over as well. The Eagles defense got a broke damn wing. (laughs) And that wing ain't ain't getting fixed this weekend. So, Baker Mayfield, do your thing, my buddy. Do your thing. (laughs)
1: They got a broke wing, man. Oh, my goodness gracious. Somewhere Mr. Mister, that old song broken, broken Wings is being played right now based on the Falcons <laughs> and the Eagles and this whole conversation. We want to find out from you because Harry Douglas played in an NFL game that was minus 19. It was the coldest game he ever played in. What was the coldest game you ever played in or attended? We can't wait to hear from you on the Dr. Pepper calling line at 888-729-3776. Your calls are next on Freddie and Harry, always keeping you warm on Long Friday on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN radio. You can also listen to Freddie and Harry live weekdays from three to seven Eastern on ESPN radio, the ESPN app and on Sirius XM channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app, the Freddie and Harry podcast.
5: Robert half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert half.